Well, quite literally, out of the mouths of babes. I want you to know they wrote that script all themselves. A happy Mother's Day to all you moms. Stand up to your feet. Let's engage in some worship. This is truly God's amazing grace. Let's go.
Well, again, happy Mother's Day. And as you may or may not know, in the last calendar year, there has been a massive explosion of new life in this church in the form of babies being born. Please enjoy. I know it will be hard, but please enjoy a slideshow of babies. Hey church, happy Mother's Day yet again. All you moms out there, I hope you have an awesome, awesome day. Hey, I'm Josh. I have a couple of announcements for you. Uh, by now, you are probably all Zoom experts, and that's a great thing because we have lots going on during the week on Zoom. Go ahead and check out the slide. You can see all the different things that are going on this week. Uh, one that I want to highlight is marriage essentials. Uh, our marriage class that we were doing in person before all the craziness is coming to Zoom next Sunday, May 17th, 8 p.m. Even if you've never been to a marriage essentials class and want to hop on with the risers, it's going to be a really sweet time. So again, check that out next Sunday, May 17th at 8 p.m. on Zoom. Uh, a couple of ways that you guys can give. Uh, first off, just thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. Um, we've been blown away, if I'm being honest, completely blown away about your generosity. Um, you can give online on the church website, you can give on the app, or you can mail in a check. Um, another thank you for you guys is, man, just showing up with the sack lunches last week. Uh, absolutely incredible, overwhelming response with sack lunches. So thank you so much. And again, wanted to remind you, if there's still um, food in your pantries that you want to get rid of, um, the canned food drive is every day from 1 to 2 p.m. at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. Uh, you can go ahead and drop those off at any day from 1 to 2 p.m. Um, that is all I have for you. Adrian, you're up. Hi, kids. I hope you have been making your mom feel like a million bucks this Mother's Day weekend. Might I suggest you give her a back rub or bake her a cake, make her a bath, or even paint her toenails. Us mamas, it's been a long time since we've had a pedicure. Well, I hope you have just been loving on your moms this weekend. And Myrna Jean, happy Mother's Day. Well, families, it has been a long time since we've been together here and your kids being in our Sunday school classrooms. And so I would just suggest parents that you continue to spiritually invest into your kids. We've been sending out um, materials each week with Bible story videos on them, and they are a great resource for you to continue to help your kids grow in their love for Jesus. You can find those also on our website. Well, kids... Our Kids Blast Challenge for the week is for you to make the most amazing and challenging obstacle course. I want you to go into your garages, through your houses, in your backyards, even your pool, to make the most amazing obstacle course and send me your video. Even send me your blooper videos. And when I get that video, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna drop a prize off to your doorstep because I've got a lot of Easter candy to give away. So I hope to see those videos from you this week. And speaking of videos, our kids, 
man, they love their moms. They have been putting together a video all week to honor and share what they love about their moms. So we are going to watch the first half now and the second half after this service ends because there's so much we want to tell our moms. Happy Mother's Day. I love my mom because she makes us dinner and she lets me do fun stuff. I love my mom because she plays with me. The thing that I like about her most is that she can contain us five kids and especially my dad. Oh, um, I'm Ethan and I love my mom because she's um, so kind and nice and wonderful. I love my mom because she is kind, she is funny, she is a great cook, she loves her family very much and I'm thankful for her. I love my mom because she supports me in anything I do. I love my mom because she works so hard for our family. I love my mom because she is kind and loving. I love my mom because she believes in Jesus Christ. I love my mom because she works so hard for us. I love my mom because she's super fun and a great cook and a hard worker and she loves Jesus. I love my mom because she spends time with me. I love my mom because she loves animals. I love my mom because she's a great cook. I love my mom because she teaches me. I'm proud of my mom because she's an excellent teacher. My favorite thing to do with my mommy is gardening and my fav and my mommy's Amazing, because she keeps me safe. Happy, Happy Mother's Day. Day! Happy Mother's Day, we love you so much. Happy Mother's Day! Happy Mother's Day, Mama. Well, hello, church, and uh, hopefully you've been encouraged each week by these videos. So fun to see our kids honor uh, the moms in the church well, I know just as a family, one of the things that we've loved to do, and we even got a chance to do it this last week, is heading to the beach. And long before all the, the COVID beach drama, our family would enjoy uh, going to Malibu and kind of going up the coast. One of our very favorite beaches that you might be familiar with is called El Matador with all the beautiful rock formations. And sometimes what we'll do is we'll kind of start at that beach and just work our way up north a little bit and kind of going in between those different coves, even if it means getting a little bit wet in the process. One time we went especially far to this just beautiful section of homes and I was surprised to have a guy approach us and tell us that we had to leave because it was a private beach. And I remember, uh, I, I don't do necessarily great with being told to leave the beach and uh, maybe like some of you. And I responded just saying, I, I don't think there's a such thing as a private beach in California. And the guy's response, I'll never forget it. He says, yeah, I know. I just get paid to tell folks that. I felt kind of bad for him as I was talking to him a little bit further. He's like, yeah, that's part of my job is to encourage people to leave this beach. And I felt bad because his whole job was to be the, the gatekeeper of this house, but yet he couldn't do a whole lot because people had the free will to come or go onto the beach because of California laws. Thinking about that as it relates to moms, so often their challenge is similar as gatekeepers to our families, where they can do their very best to set the, the standard and they can encourage the kids to go a particular direction, but then they're left to a degree with free will and choosing where to go. 
For us, both parents, moms and dads, were entrusted with this role of gatekeeper as we tried to do our best to establish boundaries, try to do our best to expose lies, try to do our best to warn our kids of negative outcomes. And that at the end of all of that, the probably the most important thing for us with our kids is to pray like crazy. Well, we're at a point in this uh, passage through this book of 2 Peter where Peter is having one last shot to reach out to his family. One last shot as the gatekeeper, if you will, of these people he cares about so deeply. And he realizes the same. He has to encourage them. He has to challenge them. He has to point to some of the pitfalls if they don't stay within the boundaries of God's word. So you're about to see in the section that we're in that he point, paints a, a pretty vivid picture of what's at stake for the believer if they don't stay within the boundaries that God's established. Now, some of you might look at this passage, even if you've had a chance to read in advance and say the same thing that I did when I first read it this week. This is what you're going to teach on Mother's Day but the truth is, I think there's a lot of moms that appreciate, especially at this point in the process of being cooped up in homes for so long, they appreciate when someone just shoots straight with them. So this passage definitely does that. I think there's some wonderful transferable principles, things that we don't have to stretch very hard to apply to our present situation. Let me pray for us before we dive into this section in 2 Peter. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this chance to be together collectively studying your word because we believe that it has life, that it offers direction when we don't know which way to go. God, I ask that you'd guide us and we'd step up to this role, whether it's a gatekeeper in our own life or whether it's a gatekeeper for our families, God, that there's something I believe in this passage for each of us. We ask that you teach us through the study of your word. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So we stopped last week in verse 10 of chapter two in 2 Peter. Again, even if you're at home, it's so much easier if we're looking at this together. So I encourage you to pull up the passage. So 2 Peter 2 verse 10, the second half, it says, bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing." Happy Mother's Day. Thanks for coming here today. Honestly, this text definitely takes a little bit of a breaking down. First, it's a bit confusing as to who the they is in this passage. The they, just to be clear, is the same they that John was talking about last week. This is the, the, the false teachers of that day. He's not specific about the group, but it would be anybody that's misleading an audience, anybody that's teaching anything outside of Scripture. This would include any teacher that compromises the gospel message. Anybody that doesn't include who, got, who Jesus is, his identity, who, anybody who doesn't talk about the situation that man is in separated from their God. Anybody that excludes the fact that Jesus died, rose again as a rescue plan for mankind. 
anybody that adds anything to the fact that it's only through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone that we're saved. That would be the false teacher. So here he's confronting them, confronting them in their arrogance because they're showing a disregard for what it says in the text as glorious ones. Now, this is a little bit confusing. I had to really dig into different commentators to explore this idea of glorious one is actually referring here to fallen angels. Those that were created to be glorious, but because of free will had gone their own direction. Most commentators believe that and align with that. And what he's pointing to, he's saying, he says, if the holy angels, those that are not fallen, that are greater in power, don't proclaim judgment on fault their fallen peers, but leave it up to the Lord. Who are we in our arrogance to take the enemy lightly? I don't know if you've ever been in a position where somebody gave a, a direct warning or a caution that you're like, I know that was for my safety, but I don't really necessarily want to hear it. I'll share an example from my past week. I've uh, started to get a little bit more into mountain biking during this stretch where we're at home a little bit more. So I'll start the day, try to get out before it gets too hot in the morning and go for a, a ride. And what I've realized living in Thousand Oaks, we're next to some beautiful parks and state land. And as I've been going out, I've realized every single place, every direction I head is always filled with just huge hills. It's kind of hard to go from like not mountain biking at all to all of a sudden taking on these ridiculous hills. So I've been embarrassed at different points to have to stop, get off my bike and push it up sections of hill that I just can't make it up. So one particular time this past week, I was feeling a little bit embarrassed in this whole process and I'm, I'm pushing my bike up. I'm sucking wind. I'm looking at the watch telling me my heart rate's way higher than it should be. I'm going up this hill and just hoping that nobody sees me. All of a sudden I hear coming from behind two cyclists. I didn't want to look back. And it was a mom and her young teenage daughter just ripping past me. And the mom says, excuse me, sir. I'm like, oh great, what's she gonna say to me? I was hoping to, she didn't even see that I exist. She said, excuse me, sir. I think your helmet's on backwards. It's like, are you kidding me? And sure enough, it was. So she was concerned about protecting my melon, which I should be concerned about as well, but not necessarily what I wanted to hear in that moment. I kind of think as Peter as that guy, that's not so concerned about the how what he's saying is going to be received. He just wants to make sure that it's done with such emphasis that it actually leaves result. So look at the, the terms that he uses. He, he refers to these false teachers as animals which are low on the food chain that act only on impulse. He says that they're speaking on topics that they know nothing about. And he's saying the outcome for these false teachers, they'll be destroyed as a wage for their actions. Destroyed as a wage for their actions. Remember Romans 6.23 tells us for the wages of sin is death. This same idea, Peter is making sure that emphasis takes root for his audience. It's an unpopular topic, the idea of God's final judgment in those who, on those who have rejected him, rejected the provision of Jesus Christ as their rescue. Some would say Peter isn't very loving here. 
Like, man, he's, he's referring to them as, as animals. First off, I think he's, he's at a place in his life where he's done sugarcoating. I don't know if you have somebody you know in your life that's maybe a little later in years and they're not really concerned about how it comes across. They just wanna make sure that it leaves its mark. And here he has emphasis because he understands a principle that we should understand as well. Sometimes a warning is the most loving thing you can do for somebody that you care about. We have to choose sometimes. What should do we wanna elevate the potential offense or somebody's eternal destination? Here, don't forget before you wanna accuse him of not being loving, don't forget Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. We have to understand that you don't get to the good news, the rescue, unless you're aware of where we are apart from God. So this is what Peter presents, a warning his audience needed to hear. And he's getting to a big idea in all of this. What is he getting? Let's go back to the initial idea where he was talking about angels. He's saying, we need to take our enemy seriously. We don't, don't belittle his power. Don't belittle his impact. Don't belittle our ability to fall at his schemes. We should take our enemy seriously. We're not called to try to take out Satan or to, to ambush demons. You see, their destination is already determined always in scripture. When we're all told to respond, it's always in defense. We're to stand firm. Peter's making sure they're clear in their role in all of this. Remember, Satan is already defeated. He's just waiting pending judgment. Continue in the text in the second half of the verse. says, they count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children, exclamation mark. Remember, I mentioned the idea that we'd be identifying transferable principles. Present day, I wouldn't say a lot of us are having false teachers feasting necessarily in our homes, but definitely we're impacted by the media in which we ingest by the media in which we ingest. You can see some of their finest work, some of the things presented in this section in the music we listen to, the shows we watch, the movies that hit the big screen. The message comes boldly that there's an insatiable appetite for sin. There's commitment to adultery. There's greed everywhere we look. And if you don't believe me, Try this exercise. I did it earlier this year. Take a, a few minutes to, to go through the Billboard top 10 list and read through the lyrics and tell me if this isn't something that we're being bombarded with. You might say, well, Scott, I just don't see it. I don't see it in the world around me. And my family's been watching a, a show on Netflix for a, a stretch here, a, a number of uh, episodes of this show, just based on kind of what present day football players are like in high school. I was thinking about, I, I think of it as a pretty tame show, but as I was considering it, I was like, man, when I think back to what's even in a tame show on television, 
You have teens that are addicted to drugs and alcohol. You have sex outside of marriage that's celebrated. You have teen pregnancy. You have absentee fathers. You have infidelity. You have divorce. You have unforgiveness. You have disrespect of parents. You have fits of rage, confusion about sexual identity. You have depression. You have self-harm. You have racism. You have gang violence. You have murder. You have drug dealing and countless lies in this somewhat wholesome show on television. Now, I hesitate to bring up the topic of entertainment because I know that folks have convictions all over the map, but we can't ignore the influence it has on unsteady souls. On unsteady souls, what does that mean? Those who are not grounded in what they believe and why they believe it. We often, when we're watching something on television, we'll hit the the pause button and take time to undo a little bit of what's being taught with our kids, an explanation of some of the the confusion. I remember even last week having a chance to talk to my daughter and explaining, that's not really how people talk to each other in the workplace. They don't bring up that subject matter so openly and freely. Some of this needs to be a part of us being the the, the protectors of our family. And I can't bring up this topic without also a major warning about this adult device that we have in the hands of our kids. You're like, oh, here goes the pastor. He's talking about all this stuff. Honestly, we're on the, the frontier of this, trying to figure it out. I would love to see families, parents partnering together on ways, best practices to navigate some of this with our children. It's such an important thing in protecting our homes and protecting our homes. We need to have a, a game plan in place to protect our families. Continuing in the text, verse 15 says, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his transgressions. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. All right, so what are, what are we saying here? I told you it was a fun Mother's Day passage. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. So going astray, what does going astray look like according to Peter? He says that, they're to, that he tells them that they followed the way of Balaam. Who in the world is Balaam? If you want to read a little bit about him, he's talked about in Numbers 22. He was an Old Testament prophet that talked about or, or it presents as being someone that was motivated by financial gain. Basically, he was a prophet for hire because of his greed. The king of Moab, one of Israel's worst enemies at that time, went to him and tried to pay him to curse Israel. Other than God's intervention through a speaking donkey, I'm telling you, you need to read this story, he would have, he would have betrayed Israel for a few bucks. You see here in the, this picture of how greed can distract you from your calling. I wonder about that when I read his story. What, at what point, at some, at some part in the process, he was committed to following the Lord and representing him and speaking for him to the people. But somewhere along the way, he lost his way. 
for us. It's a similar burden and a similar challenge for us within our families to make sure we're laying a foundation, setting an example, not just for our kids, but even for ourselves, making sure that we're not elevating gain. This is a season where a lot of us that becomes a, a main priority, not because we necessarily want to get ahead, but we're wondering about the future. It's a beautiful trust exercise that we have before us where we get to lay some of these things, some of these financial burdens at the Lord's feet. I don't know if you found this as well, but one of the things that I've found that helps loosen financial things, gain or grip on me is to approach it with an open hand rather than a closed fist. One of the best antidotes for greed is generosity. Amazing opportunities during this season to demonstrate that. Here, he's calling them. He's saying that when you forsake the right way, when you're taken down this road, don't be like Balaam, who only God was able to protect him from what it says, the prophet's madness. Verse 17 continues on this topic of pursuit of financial gain for the wrong reasons. He says, these are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly that they enticed by sensual passion of the flesh, those who are barely escaping from those who live in air. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. You see here that he describes the pursuit of wealth as a waterless spring, as a mist driven by a storm. If you're anywhere in the Middle East, you understand how dependent the people are on finding springs that have water in them. If that's a, a spring that's absent of water, it leaves somebody so vulnerable. In my mountain biking experiences the last few weeks as I'm trying to uh, grow in my ability to climb hills, I've realized how important water is in that. Two different times, I'll continue to embarrass myself, two different times I've had to call my wife and ask her to come pick me up because I've run out of water. Yes, this is true. Water is critical in the times of, of heat. Here he's saying finances, this pursuit, this, uh, this God of wealth is like, he's saying it's like a, a waterless spring. It's like a mountain bike ride without any water with you. Here, he describes it also as a mist driven as a driven by storm. That was something I had to look up a little bit. What's that talking about? Basically, they have a certain type of storms in that area that would, the mist would come beforehand that would seemingly signal that rain was on the horizon. It's kind of like a false alarm though, something that promised to satisfy, something that promised rain that never ended up coming. So here he describes the, the false hope of satisfaction found in the pursuit of financial gain. He describes the outcome of these false teachers. He says, for them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. Pretty intense description here. Many of us ask how a loving God could allow the torment of, of hell and separation from him. But if you think about it, isn't that actually just honoring people's wishes? If someone in this lifetime decides that they want nothing to do with God in this lifetime and that they would, that just gets carried on into eternity. 
And if God is described as light, it only makes sense for them to describe his absence as the gloom of utter darkness being reserved from them. Again, a warning that's so important for his audience to hear. It says that they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves. It's kind of an interesting statement, but isn't that the definition of pretty much all sin? It's a promise of freedom, but in fact, it enslaves us. Think about the youth as they grow up, how often something is like, oh, this is gonna, when you get to this age and you get to enjoy this, when you get to start drinking, when you get to start partying, when you get to do this, or even as adults, the same enticing thing, when you finally have enough money to do this, when you're able to do this, that's gonna be so amazing. But then these things that promise freedom end up what? Actually being what enslaves us. Actually, what we're entangled with, the, the promise of freedom of drinking in your teens ends up being in rehab in your 20s and 30s. That's how sin works. It's important for us in overcoming sin to be able to identify it and call it exactly what it is as a lie. He says, for whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Whatever consumed your thoughts, whatever is the object of our pursuits, Parents, it's important for us as the gatekeepers to communicate this reality to our kids so that they have fair warning. We'll end with this last section, kind of a, a, ca a caution not to go back to the old way of doing things. It says, for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they're again entangled in them and overcome the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. This is a pretty intense description. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Here, this description is the similar to what uh, a sad description he gives back in Matthew 13. My family's been going through this. Sienna, you might even remember this. We talked a couple weeks ago about the parable of the seeds getting strangled by the weeds around them. This is the same principle that he's saying, the, the age old thing where somebody experiences Jesus, they take some steps towards them, show some signs of uh, 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 encouraging signs of growth but then they get right pulled back into their old way of doing things. One of the hard things as a former young adults pastor is the existence of Facebook. Facebook actually allows you to look back at different people that you've engaged with over the, the years. I remember one particular student having conversations with them because they showed such potential and promise for impacting the world for Christ. Now, seeing them on, on Facebook, some of the choices that they're making, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. I imagine Peter at this stage in his life, in his later years, he's had a few people that he's observed doing this, going back to their old ways. Again, not trying to sugarcoat things. He wants to bring a graphic illustration that's actually gonna stick in their minds. 
He actually quotes something found in the Proverbs, a, a picture that's somewhat uh, disgusting. Basically, any dog owner has certain parts of dark dog ownership that they don't necessarily want to highlight, whether it's them using the restroom in the house or this one's the absolute most disgusting, in my opinion, is a dog doing what? Returning to its own vomit. Now that's, I, I won't go too far in that, but you get the idea with this, this picture that he says, once you're washed clean, why would you ever want to go back? That's what it is when we keep indulging in things of the flesh, he points to. His second illustration is not just the dog, he says, or a sow, which would be a pig, after washing itself, after being completely clean, again, a picture of a Christ follower, someone that's chosen to follow Christ, but then going back to wallow in nasty mire, which would be a blend of mud and feces and urine, just disgusting He's pointing to that picture. So my question for us, you might say, moms are already checked out about 20 minutes ago, but let me bring you back for a moment. Moms, how does this play into Mother's Day? If you think about it, what you've been entrusted with as gatekeepers to your family, this is probably one of the most important passages that you could be pointed to. So many of you, I wanna encourage you, you are being that gatekeeper. You're being the Peter in this situation. You're, you're pointing your, your kids, you're pointing your family, you're establishing boundaries, you're exposing lies, you're warning of negative outcomes, and most importantly, you're on your knees praying for your kids. This can be one of two things. This can either be an encouragement to start with this, or this can be a, 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 a praise for the job that you're already doing in this. For both parents as well as individuals, this doesn't change the charge that Peter has for each one of us, the charge to make sure that we're being gatekeepers for the world and what actually enters into our life. Let me pray as we conclude. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this chance to study your word. And as intense as this passage is, it's a warning that's based in love because you know what's best for us. You know the, the, the paths, the boundaries that are gonna keep us in the center of your provision and care and love. God, I pray that we'd heed these warnings, that we'd respond to them. And somehow through this, that moms would understand how loved they are and how grateful we are for them being the gatekeepers of our family. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Let's sing that again together.
favor be upon you in a thousand generations in your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you in a thousand generations in your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you for a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you Thank you, worship team. What a beautiful reminder of the blessing that we hope every mom experiences this Mother's Day. And don't forget, just at the end of the service, if you wanna check out a few more of these uh, highlights from our uh, kids within the church that wanna celebrate our moms. God bless you. Have a great Mother's Day. I love my mom because she's super nice. She's super nice because she does so much things for me. She makes the best dinners too. Uh, my favorite thing about my mom is that she's a hard worker. It makes me happy when my mom reads me books, and I love my mom because she gives me lots of hugs. I love my mom because she's very loving. Because I love you when you play with me, and I love you when you play police with me. I love my mommy about from her let me listen from pencil with her pencil tails with her making justice. about mommy? <laughs> she makes you laugh? She helps me when things are hard. And also I'm proud of my mom 
because she's a good parent. I love my mom because she takes me on bike rides. She cause um good vegetables. My mother bakes the best cakes. Once she baked a train cake. I love my mom most because she doesn't really love sports, but she knows I love them, and she's always trying to relate to me through them. I, the, my favorite thing to do with my mom is go to the nail spa, and I love her because she always wants what's best for us. I'm very proud of my mom because she just helps me with homework and math and other things like chores and cleaning around the house. makes the best cookies. My mom is the best mom because she takes care of me. I love my mom because she is a, she is very nice and nice. I love my mom because she's super hardworking and generous and she sacrifices a lot of time and work just for her kids. I love my mom it's because she's sweet. My favorite thing about mommy is that she makes good food. I love mommy because I love her. My favorite thing about mommy is that she reads to me. My favorite thing about my mom is uh, she works hard for the family. I love my mom because she's super nice to me and makes me feel good. My favorite thing about my mom is she's really kind and she helps me with a lot of things. My favorite thing to do with my mom is spend time with her she takes care of me and she's so nice and funny. My favorite thing about my mom is that she always makes me laugh whenever I'm sad. My favorite thing to do with my mom is spend time with her because it's very cherishing and a fun and amazing moment. I love my mom because she is awesome. My mom is amazing. My favorite thing to do with my mom is hang out with her and do bath I love my mom because we go to the beach together and have lots of fun. I love my mom because even though it's completely boring, she cooks for me, she takes me to auditions, and just spends time with us, even though she doesn't have to. I like my mom because um, I like her eyes, they look pretty, and I really like her. I like to play with her a lot. I think I love playing with her. Can you say, Happy Mother's Day? Happy Mother's Day! Happy Mother's Day! Happy Mother's Day! Mother's Day, Mom, we love you!